trial before Felix. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullius, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to worry you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect, and he even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than twelve days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple, or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues, or anything else in the city. And they cannot prove to you these charges they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which is which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets, and I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremoniously clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there were some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring these charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias the commander comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. And when I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed... Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant him a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Talk about feelings of being stuck. Stuck in a rut. There's nothing that will make you feel more stuck and paralyzed than being stuck in a prison cell. Have you ever had a season of life where you feel at a standstill? 
where you feel stuck in a rut, stuck in the mud, as they say down south? Has it ever seemed maybe that God isn't moving as quickly in your life as you think he should be moving? I think for many of us, this, the last year of 2020 felt that way. Our lives are going as planned. I remember the week of, um, I think it was the first week of March. It was a nice day and it was a nice week in Kentucky, beautiful weather. Life was normal. You could drive anywhere you wanted to go. You could go to the restaurants freely. You could enter a store without a mask. You remember those days back in the day? And then all of a sudden, in a flash, everything locked down. Everything shut down. Everything was paralyzed. Are you a little frustrated? I sure was. And I still am. We're, we're all talking about things opening up again, but things don't seem to be opening up as quickly as we would all like them to be. And not only that, um, during this, the past six months, I was in Brazil. And even despite the pandemic and the lockdowns and the mask rules, there was a lot of ministry going on in Brazil at Rick Bontham's mission. There was a lot of things to be done. I was making bread. I was fixing machines. I was ministering to kids, I was preaching sermons, and there was a certain Brazilian evangelist who was always calling me with new ideas and new things to do, and I was trying to do all those things, and I felt the Holy Spirit propelling me like high-grade gasoline to go forward, to do all the things, to fix this, to move that, to get these bills paid, and all of a sudden, stop. My visa ran out. There was a bit of a problem, a bit of a government problem, kind of like the little government problem Paul had. I had a problem with the Brazilian authorities. My visa ran out. And life came to a standstill. Yeah, I admit it, I'm frustrated. But this, this scripture today ministered to me. Because even amidst the standstill, that feeling of being stuck in the mud, God still speaks to us. We, may, we ourselves might be stuck. We ourselves might feel stuck, but that does not mean that God is stuck. Oh no. Nothing in this world is stopping God's plans for your life, the church, and the preparations for Christ's glorious return. A pandemic ain't going to do it. The armies of the, the, armies of the earth ain't going to do it. The Antichrist won't even do it. Jesus Christ has a time He is coming back, and nothing in this world is going to stop that. Not even this tiny little pandemic. Look at our scripture today. The Apostle Paul had encountered a serious obstacle. It was the obstacle of the Roman courts. But so often, what we ourselves call obstacles, God calls opportunities. The power of God is equally available, and the power of God can freely work even in the midst of obstacles. In fact, sometimes those obstacles play a part in God's greater plan. The greater plan for His return, the greater plan for His church, and sometimes the greater plan for our personal lives. We, we think so much of the power of God manifesting as parting the Red Sea. We think so much of the power of God raising dead people to life. And yes, those are wonderful manifestations of God's power. But sometimes God's power manifests and using the obstacles in our lives to be a part of God's greater plan. By the time of Acts 24, just think of the t places Paul had visited. He had trotted all over the Roman Empire. Corinth, Antioch, Arabia, Thessalonica, Athens, Athens, Greece. The list goes on. Then all of a sudden, 
just like our year of 2020, Paul's life comes to a screeching, crashing halt. Talk about a standstill. But as we've discussed, Jesus Christ, the living Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, meets Paul in the standstill. He meets Paul in the grief. He meets Paul in the loneliness. He meets Paul in the sadness, the feelings of destitution, the feelings of sadness and grief and horrific pain. Jesus Christ is just as much in you, within you and with you in those times as He is with you in the great times. He is just as much with you now as it was in 2019 and 2020 and 2030 and the future. What did Jesus Christ tell Paul in Acts 23.11? Take courage! As you have testified in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Talk about a big plan. Talk about a big plan that is continually revealed to Paul, even in a jail cell, even in the standstill, Jesus Christ reveals more of that bigger plan. And even through the obstacles, the power of God is at work in Paul's life for the edification and the ministry of the church. Brothers and sisters, you are a part of that big plan too. I can't say that you're going to Rome, but I know there are plenty of people around you that need to hear the gospel. I don't know, in fact, where you're going. Some of you might stay where you're at. Some of you might be moved. But I can tell you this, if you have the Holy Spirit within you, there is a ministry that God wants to do in you and through you, wherever you're at. Whether you're rocking around at Mach 3 or you're standing still, there is still work that God wants to do in you and through you. Also, you all take courage. You might feel stuck. I feel stuck. I'm just reintroducing myself to American culture. Everything seems different. In fact, things for me seem more tense around in the United States. Brazil, despite the pandemic, feels relaxed. They feel positive. They feel uplifting. When I came back to America, I felt this certain paranoid tension. I don't know, maybe you feel that way today. I felt it. There's a thing called reverse culture shock that a lot of missionaries deal with. You know, you're, you might be an American citizen, but you don't feel quite American anymore. You're not a Brazilian citizen. I'm definitely not. If I was a Brazilian citizen, I'd still be in Brazil. My visa ran out. But I come back to America, and I don't feel quite American. The, 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 the contactless food vending is weird. It seems sterile and cold. Walmart getting rid of all their cashiers and having this sterile, cold setup of you scanning your goods and you scanning your items. It's this strange, cold, paranoid, isolated, depressing paranoid, tense feeling. It's weird. I don't like it. But I have to deal with it. I feel stuck. Maybe you feel stuck. But God is not stuck. Reintroducing myself to American culture and the American ways of doing ministry in American churches and American styles of worship, I kind of feel stuck and slowing down. But that doesn't mean that God is stuck and slowing down. No, God is still revealing more about His plan for my life and ministry even in this time of being stuck in, stuck in this, stuck in the mud. Regardless of how stuck you might feel today, God is still at work and in the process of rescuing humanity. You might be stuck at home. You might be stuck in a hospital bed right now. You might be stuck in a line waiting for a vaccine. But you are still a part of God's bigger plan for your life. If you're stuck in a line, the people around you, they are the mission field. It might not be in Mozambique. 
It might not be in Kansas, but wherever you're at, stuck in line, the mission field is all around you, and God is still at work, regardless of how stuck you might feel. I like how Jesus built up Paul in Acts 23.11, reminding him of the big picture. And sometimes that's why we are allowed to enter into seasons where we feel stuck. A lot, if you're like me, you like moving around fast. When I get somewhere, I keep thinking about where I want to go next. And I have a hard time of focusing about what God wants me to do right in front of me. What God wants to do where I'm at. And so sometimes God allows us to become stuck in the mud or stuck in a rut to get our attention, to talk to us. Sometimes we have a hard time hearing God when we're so busy moving around and frantically doing, 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 doing. That's why God allows us to get stuck, to take a breath, to take a step back, so to speak, and get a, a bigger perspective. Honestly, I think all of us right now are going through that in one way or another. But if a standstill like this can help Paul, it will help us. If Paul had a deeper revelation of who Jesus Christ was in relationship through a standstill, well, why not us? If God used a standstill to tell Paul more about the greater plan for his life, then why won't he tell us? You know how I know that? Look at how Paul testified with Felix. Think about it. Just a chapter earlier, Paul is sitting in a stinky, disgusting dungeon, locked down in change. Again, Paul, the empire trotter, globe trotter, bounced around wherever he wanted to go, wherever the Holy Spirit told him to go, Paul went. And then all of a sudden, Paul is locked down. Paul is shut down. And yet, Jesus meets him there, strengthens him, edifies him, grants him a better view of God's bigger plan. Again, look at how Paul testifies to Felix. Yes, scholars will tell you, it was a very smooth, eloquent legal defense. Paul's rhetoric is top-notch. But it was also an evangelistic sermon. Again, the high priest and the lawyer are slandering Paul. People are telling lies about Paul. Laws about defiling the temple, inciting riots. And not only that, they are telling the lies to the governor himself. I don't know about you, but I don't like people lying about me. I especially don't like people slandering me to people that I love and respect. That really gets my blood boiling. And when I get that angry, I typically don't think that clearly. How about you? But Paul stayed calm. Despite being stabbed in the back to the Roman governor, Paul stayed collected. And do I dare say, Paul remained Christ-like. Why? The better question is how. How did Paul stay calm and tranquil? How did Paul continue to be a voice for Christ? How did Paul continue to allow the Holy Spirit to speak from within him unabated, unobstructedly, and directly? How? Because Paul allowed Jesus to strengthen and identify him during the standstill. When Paul was shut down, he allowed Jesus Christ to speak to him, to show him the greater plan. When we trust God, when we trust that God is working when we're sitting still, when we allow God to renew our perspective, these periods of standstill will actually be periods of equipping. When we feel stuck in the rut, when we feel stuck in the mud, if we look to God, He will strengthen us, He will encourage us, and He will speak to us like He spoke to Paul. 
He will reveal more about our lives. He will reveal more about what He's doing if, even though we're stuck in the mud and even though we hate being stuck in the mud and we hate the shutdowns and we hate the lockdowns, if we look up to the unchanging God, God will use those times of paralysis to speak directly to us. And we will be strengthened, we will be edified, and we will come out of these times of paralysis stronger than ever before. That's what happened to Paul. He allowed it to happen. Yes, Paul's legal rhetoric is brilliant. I agree with the scholars, yes. But look how smooth, calm, and collected he was. I don't think right now I could have handled what Paul handled. When people lie about me and slander me, I get really angry. I have a hard time being edifying and loving. But Paul certainly was loving and edifying. And not only that, he continued to step out in that bigger plan. He preached the Gospel. Even in the middle of an inconvenient day, to put it mildly, a day where Paul felt stuck and alone, Paul preached the Gospel. And guess who took notice? Who took notice? Felix. Felix heard all the lies. Felix heard all the false accusations. But there's something about this Paul. There's something in there. There's something divine working in Paul. There's something within Paul that's different than what all the high priests and all the Sanhedrin and what the lawyer had. Felix said, hmm, there's something about this Paul. I'm not going to mess with him. I'm, I'm not going to just throw him away. I'm not going to execute him. I'm not going to torture him. There's something going on here. And I want to hear more. My friends, that is the power of God at work, even in times of standstill. That is what happens when you yield to life, your life to Christ when you don't feel like it. That is what happens when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, even in the bad times when you allow yourself to be molded by Jesus, even in the times of standstill and fear and paralysis and paranoia and political tension, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, when you allow Him to continue to work in you unabated and direct, you can come out of these times and be stronger than ever before. And people will take notice because there are Felixes everywhere. There are Felixes in our lives today. They've heard the lies. They've heard the slanders. They've heard the politics of left and right and this theory and that theory. And all of a sudden they see you. And there's something about you. There's something different about you. There's something transcendent at work within you. There's something Christ-like about you. What is it they will say when they see you? What is it about that person that just trips my trigger. What is it about that person that might not be eloquent, that might not be articulate, that doesn't even have any money? What is it about that calm, smooth joy that they have, that blessed reassurance? What is it? I want to talk to that person. It's not isolated to Paul, folks. Yes, Paul was an apostle. Paul had the Holy Spirit. But if you're born again, so do you. This gift, this, this ability to live out a sermon, this ability to preach a sermon, despite the stuff that's surrounding you, that power is available to you. Because it wasn't Paul. It was the power of God actively at work within him. You just have to be willing. Even when you're stuck in a rut. Notice, yes, Paul was still in a difficult position. He was stuck in a Roman bureaucracy. Just like I'm stuck in passport visa bureaucracy. <laughs> but God's still at work, folks. He's not going to be held back by a bureaucracy. There ain't enough bureaucracy in the United States and Brazil to hold back God's purposes for my life and your life and all the lives of RBM and the Church of Jesus Christ. In fact, even in Paul's situation, when he was stuck in the rut, Paul was granted protection. 
Paul was granted comforts. Paul was allowed to continue preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Felix kept going, there's something about that guy. Even with the preaching Felix didn't like, there's something about this guy. I'm not going to mess with him. And as for that big obstacle of Roman legal bureaucracy, God used that Roman legal bureaucracy to get Paul all the way to Rome. Again, when we see obstacles... God sees opportunities. We, we make the mistake of seeing the obstacles as so unbelievably towering, we start to make our obstacles God's in of themselves. Not good. God looks at the obstacles as just more tools in His toolbox. He can use them however He wants. That, that, that going for Paul, that goes for you too if you're listening at home. When we see obstacles, God sees opportunities. I can remember when I first got the call to ministry. I was working in a shipyard. We built... Naval aircraft carriers and submarines for the Navy. It was a good job. But when I got that call to ministry, I went from loving my job to hating it. I just couldn't stand it anymore. It was, I've heard it referred to as, pause for effect, divine discontent. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Headwise, it's a great career. It's a great job. I'd still recommend it to people. But my heart wasn't in it anymore. There was something greater that God had for me. And if I had had my way, I would have left right away. Day two, receive the call to ministry in Cuba, come back to the United States, quit the job, haul on full speed ahead. But that was not God's plan. Not yet, anyway. I had about, about another year left in the shipyard. A year which felt like three decades, but it was still a year. And I felt stuck in a rut. And of course, because it was a defense installation, you know, it, it kind of felt like a prison at times. You had to you had to scan an ID to walk in, and you had to scan your little badge card to get into certain buildings, and it was regimented, it was rigid, and it was very procedurally dip driven. It sometimes felt like a prison. There was even fences and barbed wire and secure points of entry and all of that. I kind of felt like, Paul, what's taking so long? Every day just dragged on and on and on, and I started believing the lies that, hmm, because things aren't going as quickly as I would like them to be, I must have done something wrong. Because I feel stuck in a rut, God must be stuck in a rut too. Because I wasn't allowed to leave this prison yesterday, God must be punishing me. Or things are taking too long, that must be a form of judgment. No, 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 none of that. None of that was true. And when I prayed to God in the shipyard, I said, what is going on here? What's taking so long? Have I done something wrong? Why should I feel this stuck? What, why can't I just go to seminary now? I want to do it now. I want to move now. I have to be moving. I have to prove my obedience to you now. And God said, you obey by talking to me even in the prison cell. You obey by allowing me in even to when you feel stuck. You obey when you ask, hey God, what do you want me to do for you today? Obedience isn't just long-term. Obedience is often minute to minute, minute, to minute and hour to hour. And God told me, Randall, there's still other people there's still other people that I need you to save. There's still other people that I need you to reach. There's still other ministry opportunities I need you to fulfill. There's still more things to do. Yes, I'll get you to seminary. Trust me on that. But as for right here and right now, I'm still actively available and actively at work in your life here, even amidst this shipyard. The mission field is all around us. And so, like Paul, I had to learn to receive strengthening and encouragement from God even when I was stuck in a rut. I had to, 
I had to discipline myself to look around me through a, a God set of eyes. Even in a situation that I didn't want to be in. And then there was even delays within the big delay. Within that year, there were other people I had to pray for. Within that year, there were other things I had to do. There was one morning I got called on to a job on top of one of the submarines. The submarine was about completed, and there were still more things to do on that submarine. The job I had to work was delayed for four hours. A friend and I, who I had talked to about the Lord for about three years, we got all our tools on top of the submarine, we got ready to go, and then we were delayed for four hours. Four hours of nothing to do. Talk about four hours of boredom. Four hours of being stuck in a rut. And I just wasn't sure what God had for me. In that time period, it, it dawned on me how long I was still waiting to go to seminary. It dawned on me how long I was waiting to go into full-time ministry. It dawned on me how stuck I felt. And in the midst of that feeling, and in the midst of the four-hour job delay, my friends started asking me questions about the Lord. My friends started sharing, me, sharing with me things about his life. He was retiring in a couple months. Friend, this friend of mine had a friend recently die on him. A good friend of his had died. And he was starting to ask those same questions that we've all asked at one point in our lives. Is there something more? Where did my friend go? Is there something up with this whole God thing? What's up with this hole in my soul that I can't fill when I'm in my 60s? And honestly, I felt in that moment, I started to realize why God had still held me back in the shipyard. Why I had been allowed to be in the jail cell, so to speak. I started to realize what God was on about, about other ministry opportunities to partake in. I started to see that even in the jail cell, even those, those holding pens of life, God was still actively at work and there were still things he needed me to do. And so I decided to pray for that man on top of a nuclear submarine, on top of arguably the most advanced weapon of warfare known to mankind, I walked with this man and we prayed to the Prince of Peace. I can't get into what I prayed for him about, but I said, Lord Jesus, You reveal Yourself to him personally as we're stuck in a rut. You reveal Yourself personally while we're sitting here. You continue to reveal Yourself personally to this man. Bypass his head. Go straight to his heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, in view of the whole shop, in view of the whole shipyard, on top, on top of this nuclear weapon of death, we pray to the Prince of Peace. It missed the standstill. It missed the four-hour job delay God moved in that man's life. He came in the next morning with a huge smile on his face. And he said, Randall, Brother Cup, he said, you prayed that Jesus Christ would do something. Jesus Christ has done something. There was this medical thing I've had. I've never told anybody about it. I've always had it. I'm not going to tell you about it. But this morning, that medical problem was gone. Thank you, Brother Cup, for praying for me. That is the power of God at work. Even when we feel stuck, God ain't stuck. When we feel there's these obstacles inhibiting our lives, those obstacles are being used as tools in God's greater kingdom. That is the power of God. And what happened to Paul in that jail cell, how the Holy Spirit manifested in Paul even in a difficult situation, that is freely available. That power of God is freely available to you and I. So take encouragement, brothers and sisters. God is doing a lot more in this time period 
than you realize. God is working in ways and through situations of providence that you don't see right now. You might be bedridden. You might be standing in line. You might have lost your job. And you feel like God has abandoned you and forsaken you. He has not. What He is asking you to do is take a step back. What He is asking you to do in this time period is what I had to do in the shipyard. Say, okay, God, I don't want to be here. I want to move forward, but you're holding me back in some way. You're trying to get me to do something and see something. So, Lord, how are you actively working in my life right here and right now? How are you actively working in the situation I find myself in? Take a step back. Relax. God is just as powerfully and actively at work in you right now as He was in the previous years and as He will be in the future. Because God is the same as He is yesterday, today, and forever. All He wants to do is have that conversation with you right here and right now. Ask God. Cry out to Him. If you're stuck in a rut this morning, cry out to Him. Because God will answer you and He will work through you in that rut. Amen? Oh, God's mercy so amazes me To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation Oh, God's mercy so amazes me as I watch the world around me, I can see His mighty hand Delivering His people from the evil empire